people registered at this lovely place called Southern Alberta Bible Camp. Everything was going good. But out of 33 people registered, that means there were 16 couples and Steve. And, uh, you know, Jeff says, we're going to pay another game about marriage. And I'm just looking at him, are you kidding me, you know? So I went to him afterwards, and I just told him a little vow that I had is, Jeff, blessings on you, brother, but I will never come to one of these again because that was just too awkward for me, right? <laughs> another one I went to, which was... Uh, it was fun, but interesting, because I was this young guy, I was in my 20s, and I went to this uh, conference uh, just south of Calgary, and then in a moment, I actually looked back, and I realized that a lot of the pastors that I was serving with, uh, that had come from all over the place, a lot of them didn't need a, need a TV tray to hold their coffee, because they could put it on their belly. <laughs> And I was sitting there, I know, I don't know if this was spiritual or not, but I'm sitting there going like, is this kind of a prophetic like vision of what I'm going to end up like, you know? <laughs> so today, I, it's, this is a meddling and it's also a PG kind of service because there's some scripture we're going to read from the message that it's just like in your face. So if you're uncomfortable with it, just lock the doors or whatever, but it will be uncomfortable in some ways. Um... When I looked at that, it actually did make me scratch my head about how much the Lord is interested in my life when it comes to my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. We've been great at the church uh, in, over the years to go, Jesus loves your spiritual life. So Sundays, we got it all together, how we dress, how we talk to our wives, kids on the way to church, and afterwards, we go to a meal somewhere. But the rest of the week is kind of yours. And we have this dichotomous relationship in our spiritual growth, thinking that God's interested in that, but this stuff here we don't really want to talk about. You don't want to look in the mirror when it comes to your physical, emotional, or mental state. Um, when I was around 30, I just went for a checkup of all my blood work. And the doctor called me back in and he says, Steve, I'd like to chat with you. I, it's not my favorite when a doctor calls me back, right? So he says to me, Steve, we did a lipid test on you and uh, cholesterol. And we're just wondering, did you fast? Or did you have like 10 pepperoni pizzas before you came in? <laughs> so I have been on uh, a therapy for my cholesterol since I was 29 or 30 years old. You know, thank you, Dad, right? So that's, it makes a lot of sense because when you look at your track record or your family's track record and the things that have taken place when it comes to health, you'd almost be foolish not to go, okay, if that runs in my family, it's time to look in the mirror or time to make an appointment with the doctor. Today, I want to say that Jesus is interested in you looking at the mirror when it comes to your spiritual life when it comes to your health, when it comes to your wholeness, when it comes to your mental capacity, and also when it comes to your sexuality. So, let me just say this. When I started taking inventory of my health when it comes to my family, I look back at some of my aunties and uncles, and there's some stuff that I'm proud of, and there's some stuff that I go, I do not want that. I want to be a chain breaker. 
So I have some family that really struggles with wicked bitterness. I have some family members that have depression. I have some family members that struggle a lot with anxiety. So you guys, what I'm trying to say is I think it makes a whole lot of sense that sometimes I, myself, make an appointment with a mentor or a counselor because I want to dig around if that stuff is kind of in my life, I want to toss it so that I can be the most healthy dad and the most healthy husband, the most healthy guy around. Does that make sense? And God loves me through the whole process. And he loves you through the whole process. He sees you already. And I wonder sometimes if he's sitting there going, I wonder why Steve thinks he can hide this from me. I really love him and I would like for him to grow in all of these areas. So our mission statement is helping people reach their God-given potential in Jesus Christ. And our value today is pursuing transformation or pursuing wholeness. The two meddling questions that come with it is, am I allowing or am I working with the Holy Spirit to transform me into a disciple of Jesus? And secondly, am I pursuing mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual wholeness? So let me say that again. Am I working with the Holy Spirit to transform me into a disciple? And am I pursuing mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual wholeness? You know by now that one of my favorite verses is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You guys, oftentimes the world is violent towards some of our thoughts and values. In fact, now I'm almost scared to go on Facebook sometimes because people get on there. If you don't believe this, you're a hater, they call you. So suddenly thinking is not vogue anymore. Try not to think. God gave you a brain, but don't use it. Just go with groupthink, right? And I'm just going, since when, all of a sudden, is it illegal or out of style to actually engage in conversations while you're using your brain? So it almost freaks me out when it comes to talking about global events or global warming or anything like that, because you better not have an opinion that might go against the whole, you know, um, the whole crowd. He says, do not be conformed to this world. So don't be put into a jello mold so that the world just squishes you in there and you do everything that they do and think everything. And now you, all the, your measuring instruments just come from culture and what the government tells you to do. But actually, you are to be transformed, metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind. So we as Christians are called to think called to weigh, called to consider and be transformed by that thinking. Here's the challenge, is that some of us have wrong thinking. Some of us have grown up in an abusive home. Some of us have been just um, not under good teaching or some of us have not really been feeding ourselves on the good old word of God and we have a cockeyed view of what God is as our father. So if we actually start with a wrong basis, if we actually stop and we don't have a good foundation, what's going to happen after that? Here's something that the first service didn't get. I sent this uh, article to Josiah this morning because they've actually found a discovery in Ukraine slash Russia just lately. And there was this crumbling barn. And uh, a person, an archaeologist kind of guy, was so interested because he heard rumors 
So now what happens is they've gotten rid of some of the, the crumbling barn. And guess what was the foundation of that barn? It was the gravestones of many Mennonites that had been killed, executed for their faith. Really interesting stuff. So they're digging around more and more, and we're talking that the government at that point wanted to do away with a couple things. One of them, faith. So thinking in your faith. So people were executed way in history. And also, he also wanted people to get rid of the idea that there was um, prosperous ideas, that these Mennonites were brought in and they were poor, and because of good farming and practices, they actually started to make some money and prosper. So he wanted to do away with that thinking. Isn't that interesting? So, I don't know. This we got to learn from history. we got to use our brains. And God is saying, renew your mind. So even if it comes to a poor thought of what God is or who God is, then it's time we start digging into the active and alive word of God and submit ourselves to good teaching and to good accountable relationships with each other so that we get a good basis of who God is and then we'll get a good basis of who we are. And then we'll have a good thought process on other things like the environment or other things like our sexuality or our relationships. Luke 2 has fascinated me because it says of the boy Jesus, as he was growing, it says he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he grew in wisdom and intellect. He grew in stature physically. He grew socially uh, with, uh, with men. And also he grew spiritually. So somehow, even in his perfected state, he is still growing. And it gives a comment on all of these things. So it seems to me that if it even mentions that about Christ, there's a good chance that we need to stand in front of this mirror when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to our mental capacity, when it comes to our physical life, when it comes to our spiritual life. But for some reason, oftentimes we've been conditioned that Jesus is just involved in your spiritual life. That's all he's interested in. And I think scripture is going to show us differently today. Are we responsible with our lives? Do we understand that we need to be good stewards of our mental life? Of our physical life? Good stewards of our health? So when I hold up this mirror, can you look into it and say, with the strength that Christ has given you, so don't let me forget that, is yes, Christ has given us strength and many people like to stay there because they're so scared of our own effort. But I'm saying there's lots of verses in scripture where both are working together. So we are making decisions in the power of Christ that he has given us. He's definitely given us that power, but are we working with that power? Are we working out our salvation with fear and trembling? So we're looking in here, and with the, with the strength that Christ has given us, are you a good steward of your physical life? Are you paying attention to even your, how, if you're in good shape? I know, for instance, myself, if I don't run for a while, and sometimes I have an illness that sometimes I can't run, I start to go a bit squirrely in the head. Because some anxiety comes my way and all that stuff. And I'm just like, I need to go for a run. I need to do something. Go for a walk or whatever. So they're all linked. My spiritual life is connected to my physical life. And my emotional life. And my mental life. 
am I a good steward of my physical life? Am I a good steward of my relationships? Am I a good steward of my mental health? Am I a good steward of my spiritual life? Am I a good steward of my emotional life? The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Nope. Paul says, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So it seems to me right there, Paul is saying and acknowledging that this powerful work that Christ is doing in him, but he also approaches life and he's talking to the Corinthians here that I'm not like a boxer just punching the air. Oh no, I'm beating my body. I'm putting discipline in my thought life, putting discipline in my physical life, putting discipline in my spiritual life because I want all that Christ has to offer. As we look here, it says, it seems as though scripture here is pointing out the obvious. He says, if you're a runner, then you excellent yes that's right so all runners run well it would seem to me that all Christians then take their growth spiritually or growth seriously the athlete goes for the gold the Christian goes for the gold both go into strict training an athlete goes into strict training Christian goes into strict training Athlete is very disciplined. Christian is disciplined. Both make sure that their private life qualifies them for their public life. Put it this way. You have no incredible marathon uh, winners that sit around and eat potato chips and arrow bars. And then, oh, <laughs> it's the Boston Marathon today. <laughs> and they start running and they win. There's no chance. Right? Because they go into a disciplined, strict training. But it's the same for our spiritual lives and our, our, our mental lives, our, our, our physical lives. There is strict training involved. And the private life qualifies them for their public life. Being up here as a worship leader, all of these people here, there is a sense that if they are up here, then God is doing something in their lives privately and they're working with him. So it's really important that we realize that we can't just cut off and be dichotomous with this is my Sunday morning and the rest of the week is mine. It's not true. God is interested in all of us. God is interested in the whole meal deal. So, do you go see a counselor? If you know that you struggle with your mental health, do you go see a counselor? Or do you still give in to the stigma that nobody can know that I'm on antidepressants or going to see a counselor because, boy, then I look weak and foolish and God's not working in me. Well, I have high cholesterol and I take a pill. If you struggle with something mentally, get on with it. And I mean it. 
Young people. Like, why the heck are you going to wait till you're 50 years old to start dealing with your garbage? Deal with it now. Now. Because, you know, I look back, and I've been kind of proactive in lots of it, but sometimes I look back, and I have to stop myself, because I go, gee whiz, I wish I would have had somebody that pointed that out when I was 18 or 20, and got on it. So look in the mirror, and stop bellyaching about this happened, this happened. Get on with it. And make an appointment with a mentor or a counselor and start working on it. Christ is interested in all of you. Do I consider that staying even in my physical shape to the best of my ability also has benefits for my mental, emotional, and spiritual life? I think I told you that already. That if once I start not running, I go a bit squirrely. Life can be tough, and it can be challenging, and often at odds or violent toward our desire to walk and live with Christ. So I want to um, take a moment there, and please be patient with me in the way that I'm not talking about if you have, you know, obviously a physical illness, or if you have some kind of autoimmune disease and you can't be doing some of this. I'm not talking about that stuff. But I'm saying that sometimes we make ourselves, we make lots of excuses for ourselves when it comes to our mental health and our physical health, thinking that Jesus just wants our spiritual health. But it's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, Greg Ogden says, culture can be really intimidating. In fact, how do we respond as Christians when Christ calls us to be transformational, but everything about our culture is very much based on transaction? And by transaction, I mean culture is always asking, well, what's in it for me? What's my transaction? If I do this, what do I get? Me, me, me. And or you're only concerned with the outward appearances of what others see, and you're not concerned what happens on the inside. So even when I first started coming here, uh, Dave Edwards got me to read the book by Larry Crabb, Inside Out. And I used to start my mornings like that. I'd go for coffee, and I'd start reading this Inside Out stuff. And it's really important. Larry Crabb nailed it. As Jesus does, that he's interested in what's going on, on the inside, because it will spill out to the outside. But if we just look at the outside... There's a good chance that we can fake it for a long time. But for us to be changed on the inside, probably not going to happen. In fact, I had that conversation with my kiddos. Halloween night, we went out and we got dressed up and stuff. And I just added that as a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I said to my kids that today was fun. We, we put on masks and stuff. But I thank you that in my relationship, in our relationship with you, we don't have to wear any masks. We can be ourselves and you love us for who we are. You know, isn't that a great thought? That even where you are right now, even today, if you look in the mirror and you are messed up mentally, physically, God kind of likes you. And he likes you enough not to let you stay there. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. So how do we respond when the culture seems intimidating and violent and wants to conform us? Partly sometimes is we want to get really religious. We want to get really religious. Or we want, legalize, uh, we, we want to become legalistic. Instead of allowing our response to be garnered and built up by the Holy Spirit of God working within us. Like I said, by the renewing of our mind being transformed. 
Ogden goes on to say that sometimes our response to intimidation of our culture, by the pull to conform, sometimes we have three different responses to it. The first one, he says, is sometimes when we feel this pull from culture, we respond with victimization, which is we portray ourselves as unfairly persecuted. We feel sorry for ourselves or cultures against us. So what are we going to do as poor church members, as poor religious people, all that stuff? That's the first one. Second one, he says, the opposite is that sometimes we respond with arrogance. Like we are God's children and we have the corner of truth. Thirdly, how about humility? That we stand here, yes, we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. But with humility, we would say that we're grateful that God has found us and we can hardly wait to share that treasure with others. I like that. Sky Jathani says that he that a lot of our spiritual life is often founded in fear. We look around, we watch the news, we see sometimes what's happening with terrorism and then all of a sudden we don't like certain people groups or we all of a sudden now subscribe to this religiosity so we have lots of control of our life. Control, control, control. You don't want your kids to be screwed up. So instead of having a faith response, you control. And he says too that oftentimes we end up with a legal mentality toward our faith or a religion. And you know that he's calling us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So here's the PG passage. Reading it from the... I've read it in, in a couple different versions. But reading this one from the message is to me, hit me right between the eyes. And I hope it does the same for you. It's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 20. Yes, it's talking about sexual immorality, but I want you to think about it because it doesn't just talk about sex. It talks about your attitude, your inner working toward things like sex. So let's read. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Let that sink in for a bit. Just because Ottawa says thumbs up doesn't mean it should be thumbs up. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. Think about that. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my emotions, I'd be a slave to my appetites, I'd be a slave to sitting around watching Netflix all day, I, you know what I'm saying? You know the old saying, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. This next one, so good. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. And he'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not, he says. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as a physical fact. 
Let me just uh, read something. I've got something in my head here. From Ephesians chapter 5, this is what it says, totally linked to that portion of Scripture. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. I share that in premarital counseling. So we're talking about marriage. We're talking about a man leaving his father and mother, being united, obviously having sexual relationship and all that stuff. And then here he says, this is a profound mystery. Uh-huh. But then he's linking it to Christ and the church. Chew on that for a while. How's that a subject for dissertation, eh? So let's go on. Sex is more... Uh, as, as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? It's the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. I want to say that again. To me, it's just profound what he's saying here. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the physical part. You can't just cut a line here. God owns all of it. God owns your emotions, your physical body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you guys. So it matters how you treat your body. It matters how you treat your mental processes. It matters how you treat your emotions. It matters how you treat your spirit. It matters. And given the attitude towards sexuality these days, I would like to maybe hold up a flag and saying, I think it kind of matters. Your sexuality matters. And so often now young people are hearing that it doesn't really matter. It's a skin on skin, skin, on skin thing. It's just simply an act. You can walk away. Scripture is very much saying, and I think anybody that's married knows that there is something magical, mystical, and like mind-blowing. I don't know what's going on here, but it's not just physical. It's not just physical. Our bodies matter. Our mind matters. Our emotion matters. So don't just come on a Sunday morning looking at your spiritual life and thinking that's good enough. He owns all of you. And he's interested in how your physical life is attached to your spiritual life, influences your mental life, and your emotions. All of it. So maybe it's time that some of us make an appointment with a mentor, a counselor, somebody. Because we are stewards of our body. We are stewards of our mind. We are stewards of our emotions. And like I said before, 
I wish when I was 18 or 20 that somebody would maybe pinpoint something and go, you know? My friends, I, I know this was really meddling, but I think it's kind of neat to look at this and realize from our first passage of Scripture that Paul is saying, I fight and I have a goal in mind. I'm getting in shape. I'm running a race. And I'm going to run with all the power that Christ gives me to run this race and win the crown. And then later on in chapter 9, he's also showing that everything, including our sexuality, comes from within. We can't just treat it as a physical. We can't keep drawing a line. We can't keep dichotomizing things. But God is interested in, it, in all of you, in all of your wholeness. So we are stewards and responsible for it. And another thing. When it comes, because we've talked a lot about the S word, the good old sex. But I think it's time we also address it. Because our culture is saturated with it. And what's our response? Our culture is saturated with it. In fact, one of the biggest selling industries right now in our culture is the porn industry. And we just are interested in our spiritual lives. No, no. Our kids are coming up against a lot of sexual temptation and wondering, is it just a physical act or does it matter? Does it matter? My friends, this passage very nicely supports the last passage in that stresses the value that we must guard our inner lives. We must guard what's going on in our minds. We must guard what's going on in our emotions. We must guard what is going on in our physical and sexual lives. We are not slaves to our every whim. We are not slaves to our every transactions. But we are slaves to transformation. To the inside out work that Christ is working in us. He cares about how you treat your body. He cares about how you develop your emotions. He cares about your growth and relationship with him. And he cares that you continue to think and renew your mind. He cares. He cares about your transformation. And he cares about your wholeness. Everything about you. So let's keep allowing or working with the Holy Spirit to come to maturity in our physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional, social lives. He cares. So just as I started, I'll leave you with these two meddling questions. Am I allowing or am I working with the Holy Spirit to transform me into a disciple of Jesus? Am I pursuing? Am I pursuing mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual wholeness? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this meddling portion of Scripture, both of them. And I love it because, uh, Lord, we're actually presented with the question that we need to think and consider. Because so many of us have been kind of divorcing our spiritual life from the rest of us. Our spiritual life looks pretty good and the rest of us might be a mess. And Father, it's all connected because you have bought us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So it matters what we listen to. It matters what we watch. It matters what we joke about. It matters. Our sexual lives matter. How we think about others. Even how we think about uh, social issues these days. That this earth, for instance, everybody's pumped up right now about global warming. But you know what? 
we also are responsible because this earth is not ours. It is your footstool. So I think even that works itself out into how we approach our inner spiritual lives, our inner emotional, mental lives. Father, what would it be like if we so spent time growing in our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual lives so that the world and culture started taking notice that we might even be at the front lines of healthy sexuality. We might even get to the front lines of taking care of our earth. We might even get to the front lines of any other social issue that our culture seems to, to present because we have a solid foundation in Jesus Christ. We know who we are and we know where we're going. And Father, we're not scared to look in the mirror of our mental processes, our emotional processes, and our spiritual processes, Lord. We want to give that all to you. We want to give all that to you, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.